Greetings in Christ Jesus, and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples Podcast. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity of Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. Thank you for joining us today. Today is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined again today by Pastor Neil Radical. This morning we'll be- begin with a brief devotional thought based on 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Uh, last night was our quarterly voter, or excuse me, two nights ago was our quarterly voters meeting on the 17th. Uh, and at that October meeting, we always elect the council members for the coming year. Uh, So our church council is made up of the Board of Education, the Board of Deacons, the Board of Property, and the Board of Finance. We elect seven seven men to fill the seven vacancies that are created every year, and they serve for those roles for the next three years then. Um, But our section here from 1 Timothy describes for us what what deacons are supposed to be. And so the deacons of our congregation are uh, given the spiritual oversight of our congregation. So they do a lot of the kind of week-to-week stuff of making sure the service is in order and that the church is prepared for, uh, is unlocked and the, the hymn boards are correct and the candles are filled and the altar is ready to go and those sorts of things. But they also serve as uh, a lot the spiritual role models in our congregation as well. Uh, they deal with a lot of the membership issues that, that come up. And uh, so this, this section in First Timothy advises us as to what we should be looking for when it comes to these individuals that we uh, elect as our deacons. Uh, we elected two new deacons uh, on Monday night, uh, Mr. Joel Enter and Mr. Anthony Grieve. And so we're thankful that God has blessed us with these men and pray that they will be a blessing to us. So here's, here's uh, uh, the description that Paul gives to Timothy. He says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first, Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So maybe I'll I'll just start by asking a question, Pastor. Uh, Why is it so important that these men be as it says in the first verse, they're dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Uh, maybe it's a little bit obvious, but why, why is it especially important for these men? Well, I like to think of deacons as like assistant pastors, and if your pastors behave that way, probably not a lot of people are going to come to them for support, advice, or encouragement. So likewise, if you have spiritual leaders of the congregation, they need to spiritually lead, and they do so as Paul's reminding Timothy in this way. You need to be able to trust them. You need to be able to know that they're not going to be steering you the wrong way. And they, they need to not have these vices that are going to be a conflict to the character as well. Right. So double-tongued, just to expand that, the idea of speaking out of both sides of your mouth might be an expression that we're more familiar with. But, you know, saying one thing to one person, another thing to another person versus being solid in the things that you say. What about the next verse? Because I think we need to unpack that a little bit. Verse 9 says, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Um, it'd be easy to misconstrue that idea of the mystery of the faith. What does Paul mean when he's speaking about that, do you think? Well, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that too, but the mystery is revealed. We talked about that. We've been, You and I have been studying 
Ephesians a little bit with the, the principles, and that comes up there in Ephesians where it talks about the mystery of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is nobody would know unless God's revealed word would show it to us. So that mystery, we know what the mystery is, but he's really talking to the, the world sees who walks in darkness doesn't see this light of Christ as the Redeemer and Savior of the world. So the mystery of the faith is our Christian belief and then what that means to walk in that faith as well. And that clear conscience just means, yeah, we're, we're forgiven in Christ and then we're not going to continue in those sins as well. I don't know if you have, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I think that clear conscience is important. You know, if you have something hanging over you, if you have something in your life, a demon in your closet that that is haunting you, that you're not, your conscience isn't clear about, that's going to be, that's going to hinder the work that God has called you to do. And uh, just before this in 1 Timothy 3 is the description for a bishop or a pastor um, and, and uh, there's a, it's a very similar to this section, the ex- expectations for a pastor, but it's the same idea for you and I is that, you know, if, if you or I have, you know, bad things in our past that we're not able to get over, um, it's like Jesus said to, in the Sermon on the Mount, if you have a plank in your own eye, what do you do in removing specks from your neighbor's eye? And so making sure that your conscience is clear is very important before you can uh, begin this work of service to, to serve God's uh, God's people. Can I ask you a question about the next verse? Sure. So sometimes you know you know, get the questions about why do we have to have a gentleman who've become new members wait to before they become a voter or like a deacon. Verse ten talks about that and let them be tested first. So how do you reconcile those two things with our practice in our own congregation? Well, just to clarify, I think our practice is in order to be a voter, you need to be 18 years old, you need to be a male, and you need to be a communicant member for at least six months. And in order to be on council, um, you have to be a voter, but then you also have to be a, uh, uh, have to have been a voter for a year, I believe, um, before you can uh, be elected to the church council. And that's that 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 is this verse you could probably use as a uh, a proof verse, yeah, to say that yeah, you should be tested first. You should show that you're willing to come in and hear the issues, and and that you give good counsel, and that you're. Uh, uh, you do show godly wisdom in the things that you're doing in order to prove yourself uh, before you would serve as a deacon or certainly serve in, in many of the other different roles as well. Deacons, you know, specifically deal with spiritual welfare of our congregation. Um, you don't need the same spiritual wherewithal to serve on the board of property or serve on the board of finance, but you certainly need other talents as well. So we need all kinds of uh, people in the work of our, our church here. But then the next verse speaks to the, the importance of not just the the deacon himself, but also the deacon's family. So, uh, and this is something that is uh, is of vital importance. You want to kind of expand on why why it's so important that the the uh, deacon shows themselves as managing their household, their children, and, and being the husband of one wife. Why is it important? Yeah, for sure. I th- I think it really goes well with your vocation, family vocations. This past weekend, and the example that we set for the children and the next generation too. I think. Uh, the previous congregation, I had a deacon that was struggling in a lot of different ways, and that individual was taking it out on different people as well, and it caused more problems than helped. So, in that sense, I think verse twelve it just says, kind of have you want to have someone in that position or these positions that has their house in order again, because the Lord might be calling on them to encourage other households and be a good example for them too. So I think a lot of that is just the example that Paul's trying to have set or Timothy's 
telling Timothy, you know, pick good guys for these positions that are going to be good examples and not be causing more problems than helping. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of uh, imperatives here as to how the deacon should live. And, you know, you might look at all this and say, well, why in the world would I want to do this? Or, you know, how, how can there possibly be men who can live up to these expectations? And, you know, when I read through the, the pastor, the instructions for a pastor, it's always very humbling for me um, because I see in my myself a lack of those uh, uh, expectate. I, I, as Paul said, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I, I should do. Um, and so when you look at all this, what what encouragement can we give to deacons or to our members to serve in, in this role and in so many other roles? What's the How can we encourage them to do this given the, the expectations that, that are set so high? Paul says, and who is sufficient for these things? And I think he leads on with the grace of God. We are who we are mm-hmm. in Christ as Christians. That's kind of my quick thought. Yeah, God said to Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness, right? Yeah. You know? And I think this last verse does that as well, where it says, those who serve as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. You know, it's it's when it's seeing the work of the gospel that is, you know, t- for me as a pastor, and I wonder what, well, what, you know, I've had it asked me before, why did you want to be a pastor? What are the benefits of being a pastor? And being able to see the gospel at work in people's hearts, being able to see the God's word uh, help people in their lives and making their lives markedly better. Um, the, seeing the miracle of the gospel when it's worked through baptism or, or communion or um, seeing people grow closer to their Savior and, and thereby growing closer to their their husband, closer to their wife, closer to their family, closer to their church. Um, the, the, the community we're able to build as, a, as believers in Christ here at Emmanuel, it's, it's an amazing thing. And um, it gives you, as it says in that verse, great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The faith in Christ Jesus is what unites us um, better than anything else. Uh, again, that sermon on Sunday, I mentioned the bond of perfection. What unites us is that common faith in Christ Jesus. And then the more you see that faith working, the more you see <clears throat> just how confident we can be in that faith. And so it's a great blessing, you know, as a pastor and as a deacon to see that, see the word work, and it certainly does. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word, uh, which gives us that faith to trust in Jesus Christ. Continue to help us to grow in our confidence and trust in you. Uh, we pray and thank you, Lord, for the many uh, men who uh, have been called to serve here at Emmanuel, for the deacons and for the Board of Ed, for the property uh, and for the finance. Uh, uh, boards. We pray that you would bless all their work in the coming years and uh, be their strength and guide. Help them make wise decisions according to your word and to speak the counsel that uh, you have blessed them with uh, as they work to serve you in our ministry here at Emmanuel. Uh, bless us this day in Jesus' saving name. Amen. Amen. Number of announcements to, for you. Uh, online midweek Bible class continues this evening. Uh, I will be leading that uh, in First John chapter 3. Uh, hoping you can hop on and join us for that. Just a reminder that we do have the link set up on our church calendar. It's the Google Meet, so you can use use a calendar, but um, that's probably the easiest way to log in there. And uh, if if Pastor Nam doesn't log in right away, just wait. He'll let you in. We haven't quite figured out that login where the room is open yet, so just be patient. Uh, coming up this Friday, we have a Red Cross blood drive. We are way behind on donors this year, so uh, if you are able to give, please consider doing so. 
Uh, it's from 11 to 4 p.m. You go to uh, uh, the Red Cross Blood Drive website and just type in Emmanuel ELC and that will bring you right to it. And uh, uh, you can sign up there. So we do need, do need quite a few more donations this year. Um, uh, Outdoor Adventure Day is coming up this Saturday uh, from 1 to 4 p.m. That's at uh, Seven Mile Creek Park out on uh, 169. So that should be a fun time. Hopefully you can join us for that. Next Thursday, we are hosting a trunk or treat in our church parking lot. Uh, so there's no school Friday, so it's, it's Thursday evening, uh, 5 to 7 p.m. There is going to be live music. There's going to be a mini donut truck. Uh, it looks like we're going to have plenty of trunks and candy available. Everybody's welcome to come. You don't have to have a trunk if you don't want to, but uh, everyone's welcome to come and uh, dress up and have fun and uh, hopefully have some fun with this without some of the gore and violence and nasty stuff that the world and uh, really gets into this time of year. Uh, we are also hosting a joint reformation service on October 30th, so that'll be not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, um, uh, for the Minnesota uh, conference. Um, so we'll be having guests from all over Minnesota come to visit us, to join us. As we remember that uh, the importance of the reformation, so that service will be at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So we'll have regular church at 10, but the 4 p.m. service, and then we'll be ha having a potluck after that as well. So I uh, hope you can join us for that. Um, if you're able to uh, volunteer to uh, either bring food or to uh, help with setups and takedown serving those kinds of things, um, you can sign up in the entryway or uh, you can speak to our secretary about that. Coming up in a, about a month from now, uh, on November 12th and 13th, we're going to be having the 50th anniversary of the rededication of the church sanctuary. So 50 years ago, uh, 51 years ago now, the church burned down, but 50 years ago this November, um, we got back into the sanctuary after the remodel took place. Um, so we're going to thank our God for uh, giving us this sanctuary that we've been using for the past 50 years. And that'll be just during our regular worship services, and we're hoping to have some displays set up from that time as well. As far as our prayer list this week, we continue to keep Tom Jensen in our prayers. Uh, he's a recent transfer here to Emmanuel, um, dealing with a, a cancer diagnosis. He is on hospice care and at home now, so we pray the Lord would bless him and his wife Suzanne as well. And we also continue to keep Carrie Dale in our prayers. Uh, that would be Mrs. Hillary Leon's sister, uh, who is also dealing with a terminal cancer diagnosis. We pray the Lord would give, give her strength. Which brings us to our Wisdom of Solomon's Proverbs section. Uh, today we are taking a look at Proverbs chapter 12, um, and we are going to do the first three verses today. Uh, Pastor, you want to lead us through that? Sure. I'm reading from the ESV version. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. A good man attains favor from the Lord, but a man of evil devices he condemns. No one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. If we kind of go backwards here, starting with verse 3, the very first thing that verse 3 reminds me of is the root of the righteous will never be moved. Psalm 1 really does a nice parallel, I think, with this section because we say those who are in the Word of God are going to be like a tree connected to the streams of the living waters of, of God and His Word. So that righteousness, as we are rooted in the, in the Word of God, rooted in Christ, will have that strength, will have that rock of our salvation, fitting as we approach our Reformation idea of that mighty fortress being our, re, our refuge and a place to help in our time of need. So no one is established by wickedness. In other words, that's going to continue to bring us problems as we 
I mean, if you sin against the society, you're going to be punished. You're going to have troubles. And so when you look at this third verse here, following the word of the Lord is going to give us those lives, at least a society, more of a, a peaceful life if we're trying to sow peace, like Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. So I just want to start with verse 3 because I thought that really mm-hmm. fits with Psalm 1. Well, it reminds me of the, you know, Jesus' parable of the... the the man who built his house on the sand, the man who built his house on the rock, right? If you build your life on the lies of the world, if you build your, your life on lies, I mean, um, you can. there's how many movies and TV shows are out there about people who live these double lives or they're trying to juggle different relationships or they're, you know, saying one thing but doing another. You know, this that is wickedness. You know, the Bible describes it as wickedness. And if you're trying to juggle those things, um, eventually you are going to fall. Uh, and, and hard will be the fall. And, and that's exactly what Solomon's telling us here. The man is not established by wickedness. You're not going to have a steady, confident, certain life if you're trying to juggle a whole bunch of wickedness. So what is the wickedness in your life that's, that's cause, giving you uncertainty? What's the sin that in your life that's keeping you up at night? And, finding, and, and being able to self-diagnose and see that in your own life and then being able to address that is what God's Word tries to help us do. It helps us to look in the mirror. That's what the law does, right? The law shows us our sin, looks in the mirror and says, what are my flaws? What are my weaknesses? And you need to know that so that you can address them. And then then as you see your weaknesses, you can, you can with, with the help of God and by godly friends and family, address those weaknesses. And then you can be rooted in righteousness. Um, as you stay firm in God's Word, as you speak the truth in love, um, you cannot be moved. That's what God promises here. And you can be confident and live a life according to God's will and word for you. Well, that flows backwards in the verse 2, then. They, they both flow both directions. While a good man obtains favor from the Lord, like you were just talking about, they believe that word favor there in the Hebrew is another word for grace and mercy there. So a good man's going to seek the grace of the Lord, Jehovah, our true God. But a man of evil devices, he condemns. So that thought process there, if one is... Seeking the Lord, seek, you just mentioned Sermon on the Mount, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to him. A man of evil devices, he condemns. So the Lord's going to condemn us as we seek that evil in our life. And then flip back even one, the first verse, as we're seeking that grace for the Lord, that grace is also going to be with discipline as well. Because as we know from Hebrews, the Lord loves discipline. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, and the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, like a father would discipline a child. So whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But that second phrase is kind of interesting. I remember talking about this in Sem quite a bit. He who hates reproof or correction, he who hates correction is stupid, is unwise, like a stubborn animal there, like a beast. So this whole idea of loving the discipline of the Lord is going to build us knowledge. And we know that we can go to the Lord to find that favor and grace and that forgiveness that we have in Christ and put away those evil devices and then find out that we are rooted in the righteousness of Christ, which will, like you said, will be that foundation that lasts into eternity, for eternity, because it's with our Savior. So three really great, powerful verses that remind us to love the discipline of the Lord, to love his instruction, to love his favor and grace and forgiveness, and to find ourselves planted firmly in that peace that passes all understanding in Christ, as verse 3 talks about there. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, that word stupid was a bad word in my house. We were not allowed to say that. And I wish I would have had this verse at hand so I could have said, Mom, look, the Bible says the Bible says stupid. But you mentioned a little bit. It's not, you know, obviously when I was using that word towards my brothers, I was not doing so in a, in a godly or a Christian way. Um, but this 
is godly and Christian because it helps you realize where you do need correction. And as you say, it's not just the idea of being uh, unintelligent. That's not an insulting thing. You're acting brutish. And that's, you know, you think about back to the Garden of Eden when God made all creation, but then he also made Adam. What's the difference between Adam and the rest of the creatures God made? God gave to Adam intelligence and wisdom. Adam was not to act like a brute and just allow his lusts and passions and desires to take over his life um, like an animal does. You know, an animal thinks, I'm hungry, I'm going to go kill a zebra and eat it. That's brutish thought. That's that's not intelligent uh, uh, thinking, being, ability to think through things and wisdom. And that's what Sol- Proverbs is all about, right? Intelligence and wisdom and knowledge and uh, just allowing your brutish nature to take over. And sadly, that's what the world does and says it's okay. Do whatever feels good or allow your lust to, to fulfill the... Uh, whatever makes you happy, that's what's going to be best for you is to set aside your ability to choose and discern what is right and what is wrong and rather look to the your brutish impulses and, and uh, the world wants you to think that's okay. And uh, here Psalms tell you, don't be a brute, rather use your knowledge. Our hymn of the day today is hymn 423 from the Red Hymnal. Jesus, I my cross have taken, all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shalt be. Perish every fond ambition, all I've sought or hoped or known. Yet how rich is my condition, God and heaven are still mine own. Let the world despise and leave me, they have left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me, thou art not like them untrue. And while thou shalt smile upon me, God of wisdom, love, and might, foes may hate and friends may shun me, show thy face and all is bright. Go then, earthly fame and treasure, come disaster, scorn and pain. In thy service, pain is pleasure, with thy favor, loss is gain. I have called thee Abba Father, I have stayed my heart on thee. Storms may howl and clouds may gather, all must work for good to me. Man may trouble and distress me, twill but drive me to thy breast. Life with trials hard may press me, heaven will bring me sweeter rest. Oh, tis not in grief to harm me, while thy love is left to me. O oh, twere not in joy to charm me, were that joy unmixed with thee. Take my soul thy full salvation, rise o'er sin and fear and care, joy to find in every station, something still to do or bear. Think what spirit dwells within thee, what a father's smile is thine, what a savior died to win thee, child of heaven, shouldst thou repine. Hasten on from grace to glory, armed by faith and winged by prayer. Heaven's eternal days before thee, God's own hand shall guide thee there. Soon shall close the earthly mission, swift shall pass thy pilgrim days, hope soon changed to glad fruition, faith to sight, and prayer to praise. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Once again, Twin Steeples is a production of Emanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota. For more information about the ongoing activity here, we'd invite you to check out our website, emmanuelmankato.org. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.